0: hey this is tina edwards thanks for listening to supreme standards and on this episode we explored comparisons between music and architecture indian hip-hop and recording music in a church with percussionist sarathi korwa supreme standards Sarathi, what's good?
1: Hello. Hello.
0: Welcome to the Supreme Standards Podcast.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's really exciting to be here. Yeah, I'm yeah.
0: really pumped for us to do this episode because like, I feel like there's uh, th- there's a hell of a lot that I want to ask you um, but to start off I'm just going to you know, just get to know you with some less obvious questions mm. um, so I like to play a life swap game with my friends okay. and I've brought it into the podcast because I feel like it's a really fun way to get to know people mm. so you keep your life as it is so you Sarathi Korwa, mm-hmm. musician being creative as you are But you can choose three alternate lifestyles to dip in and out of as you please. So any time in history or in the future or now, it could be someone that's existed or never existed. Um, It could be based on like a a career or something you discovered. So Mm -hmm. I'll give you some examples just to kind of like get your creative juices flowing. So my three, and I change mine all the time, as listeners will know. So I would be a bird taking flight for the very first time. Successfully, not one of the ones you see on David Attenborough where it's like, yeah, oh, it's gone into a cliff. So, a happy first flight. Uh, I'd be researching volcanoes in Iceland. Okay. And I would also run, this one's much less adventurous, run a a cafe of like flowers and, and tea. I feel like those are popping up a a bit more. There's one that's really nice in Finsbury Park. Really, it's just like a florist, but you also go in there for tea and coffee and just sit in the bar. And do they give you
1: some petals from the flowers in the tea?
0: Sometimes it's flower flower orientated. Fusion, so I quite like that. Yeah. So, what would your three be?
1: Okay. I would like to be a professional tennis player. Cool. Because I was like, I used to play very seriously until I was 16. And, like, you know, was in, like, sort of running for, like, the national team and things. And then I kind of gave it up. Uh, but I would love to have seen that actually happen. So I guess it's, like, a nostalgic thing where, oh, if that could have happened, you know, what if sort of moment in my life. So, so did you play
0: nationally, did you say? Well, I was,
1: yeah, I was training. To, like, yeah, I used to play nationally. And, uh, and
0: then music distracted you or was it something else Music led you astray?
1: pretty much everything else like I think you know studying got in the way I I used to play twice a day for like a couple of hours in the morning and the evening
0: that's committed yeah I mean
1: it was serious business it was like honestly that was all I wanted to do and then I kind of just I guess it was also I'd been playing since I was about eight up to about 16 like every day like twice a day and I think I just had enough of it also. Like, it was kind of like this burn burnout by that point.
0: Did you just, like, exhaust your enthusiasm Probably,
1: for yeah, probably. And things got very competitive at that point. I think mm. things got very serious as well. So, you know, at that point, it was like, okay, now you've got to really put in the work. And, I've, you know, it's, it's down to, like, serious competition between maybe 10, 15 people. And as soon as it got that competitive, I was out. Like, I'm never, you know, I've never, you know, I don't think I've ever handled competition very well. I've always been somebody who just backs out of the race. And it's like, I don't want this race. I don't want any race. Uh, How do you feel
0: about it now? Like, do you pick up the racket now and then?
1: I see, yeah, I'm kind of coming back to it now. I feel like over the last three or four years, I've been playing a little bit more. And it feels great now, like doing it on my own terms. But I do need to do it more often. It's one of those things where it's frustrating because now you know what you used to be able to do and my body just can't do it.
0: (laughs) And you have to relearn it in a different way. Yeah, exactly. Like you're wired differently now.
1: Exactly. So it's kind of frustrating, but still like it's quite fun okay so yeah great
0: that's a a great fast one yeah Yeah, it it
1: came actually came straight to head yeah so that's that's a genuine first one the other two i'm gonna have to make up but um what else would i have liked to have done i think um i would love to have been an archaeologist cool um but maybe an archaeologist back in the 1800s potentially
0: what would you want to be digging
1: i mean i think i would love to be digging like all over the world really but if to be able to kind of like come across uh, a lot of Like, dinosaur fossils would be amazing, Yeah, I think. Like, I was, like, really into, yeah.
0: And even, like, in Crystal Palace, I must admit, I've never been. I'm the worst, like, South London resident. Um, But there's, like, I'm told all these dinosaur statues, in a sense, like, huge models which were made in the Victorian times, which are so out of sync with what we discovered just a few decades later. Exactly.
1: It's It's crazy. So you'd be discovering
0: some really cool stuff.
1: Yeah, and it's the kind of history that goes with it. And just, like, yeah, I think just finding something so small... That has, like, so much information that you can somehow look at something so small and see, be like, okay, now I know where this is from. I know what kind of people lived here. I, can, I know what this body looked like. I know. Mm-hmm. It's just fascinated me from a long time, like, how there's, like, so much information, something that minute often. Right. Um, so, yeah, I would love to do that. Okay. And I think I'd love to, like, have grown up living in the forest, Potentially. Okay. I never have known. Like, you know, like, actually in in the last kind of two weeks, you know, there's been the, there's news about this North Sentinel Island. Do you know that? Have you heard that? This Where is this Christian, guy. Well, this Christian missionary, this young guy who's like 26 or something. Right. Tried to go to this small island in the Andaman and Nicobar Islands, just off the coast of mainland India, and tried to go and convert these people who are like an uncontacted tribe of people, like, you know, and like, rightly so, they've been left to their own... Kind of ways, and this guy just gets on a boat and tries to go and convert these people and gets killed. Wow! And now the question is like, you know, there's obviously a lot of moral questions about what, like, do we do they go and collect his body? Do they, does anybody need to intervene in these kind of societies, like, you know, who've been left to themselves for a long time?
0: So, sorry if I missed the detail, like, you said. convert like to what what was to
1: christianity To christianity yeah Who's this evangelist um blimey it's just it's kind of bizarre it's like a modern day form of like trying to colonize a land right and it's, like failed miserably obviously it's I one can, guy it's like some sort of
0: parable i can imagine in my old philosophy and ethics a level yeah. would be like okay imagine this happens exactly what's the moral complexities and how do we exactly what what options are
1: there yeah wow. but i think being on that i, I mean to be like an uncontacted tribe, I guess, I mean, maybe we are an uncontacted tribe on earth, you know, like that kind of idea, like a larger, but no, I think living there and not knowing anything else okay. would so, be.
0: Yeah. So kind of like finding food, fishing, yeah, foraging. Like, like, yeah, that foraging.
1: would be, that. That's that would be I'm it. it. That would be it for me. Like what a that's great
0: selection! Because you could random, just be like, "Cool, yeah. I'm Sharathi Cool." While I'm playing on stage, ding! All right, I'm going to go foraging. Ding! Let's play some tennis. Like, yeah, that's a really good selection. Tennis on
1: the North Sentinel Islands while digging for dinosaurs <laughs> is the dream. <laughs> You're going to have to go
0: over to that island with someone, otherwise, i will die. A really There's no game. way
1: I'm going anywhere close to that island. This <laughs> is like, but
0: yeah. Oh gosh! All right, We're sending the the blessings out there for that for that mad story. Yeah. But um, gosh. Okay. Well, let's talk about you in a different context um so your album my east is your west came out recently which uh was a live recording with church of sound and yeah i feel like it it was a a gorgeous album there's a lot to say about it but tell me in, in your perspective just a little introduction to the album for anyone listening that hasn't heard it
1: yet So, I mean, the album is a collection of, like, the musicians who are on the album are a collection of Indian classical and jazz musicians. Uh, They're called the Upaj Collective. Upaj means to improvise. So I call the collective the Upaj Collective. Now, the reason I wanted to make the album, or not so much the album, but actually do the gig itself, and the way I approached Church of Sound with it, was that I wanted to do my take on a lot of these great spiritual jazz classics from the 70s that I loved um, but also always found slightly unsettling um, and the reason why is because I feel like a lot of times in the 70s and now but let's just stick to the 70s for now um, a lot of Indian music was seen very tokenistically so a lot of the way like people like Alice Coltrane Pharoah Sanders Don Cherry everyone kind of engaged with um in quotations, the East, was, you know, as this repository of knowledge where you could dip into uh, and then come back and kind of do your own thing. And that's kind of problematic because obviously the music and the instruments that these people then ultimately represented in their music was the only representation of that, of say a sitar or a tanpura or a tabla that anybody in the West got to hear.
0: So it was a a cultural appropriation which gave a very limited... Uh, perspective yeah very limited
1: perspective and so the way it's used in a lot of the music is um is quite bad really like when you look at some of the recordings i, th- I think i remember like citing uh, even on earth by joe henderson it starts with like a 30 second 40 second tabla intro but it's terribly played tabla. It's really bad. Like I mean it's huh. so out of tune and it's like if you if anybody had heard a tabla before, they'd be like, Oh my god, this is horrendous. Like So things like that always kind of unsettled me about these recordings. Like I loved all these songs and I love them, so you know, don't get me wrong, in the sense that it's a, it's just a very complicated relationship for me.
0: The tabla thing is so interesting. Just like, well, sorry, I'm going to take off a mini tangent because it's just opened up a, a door of thought that I've never considered before. The fact that there are obviously so many instruments which are either, you know, native to our nation or not. And... It never occurred to me that these instruments... Obviously, you can play them with a poor technique, but a lot of people wouldn't know, and then they wouldn't get a full understanding of the potential of that instrument. And it's
1: the opposite of when anybody kind of argues cultural appropriation. You could say, oh, yeah, well, what about, you know, a guitar is played any way it wants, any way you want it to. But the point is that everybody has access to seeing how the guitar is played in multiple different ways. Right. And you've grown up with guitar music. Like, you know, it's a different thing when you're hearing an instrument for the first time being played badly... Mm. that's your frame of reference then. That's how you think a tabla sounds like. And it sounds nothing like it.
0: That's nuts. Of course. So anyway, you know, so I completely... No, no, off
1: that's off. totally, you know, I think, and that's that's a valid response. I think, like, that is the problem. That's the crux of it. Like, a lot of well-intentioned people then end up hearing a certain sound or a representation of a culture, and that ends up being the reality that they think exists. Right. And that's a very sort of narrow kind of perception of what... Yeah. That's all, you know, that's so, I mean, so gr- yeah, bringing it back to the music in the sense that that was my problem. And I think what I wanted to do with these songs was to then almost kind of set the ba- set the scales right again for myself, you know, like balance these scales where there's like a section of a certain Indian ness to a song. I wanted to really expand on those. So like really beef these songs up with like really good Indian classical musicians and jazz musicians and almost have that happen on a, like an equal setting. Mm-hmm at a gig and essentially that's all it was turns out the gig was really i loved the gig it was a beautiful night and we happened to record it and one of those things where you listen back to great nights of music often the recordings aren't you know as good as you would imagine because you get carried away with the night itself and you're like oh this is great but uh it turns out i mean i was actually happy with the with the night and the recording
0: yeah it's beautiful like when I listen to it with my headphones on so I've got you know a, a decent sound for it, it really gives me goose pimples at a couple oh, wow. of moments and you can like hear how engaged and like yeah. on on tenterhooks the audience kind of are. It
1: was just an ideal scenario to be honest because we yeah. were like it's such a great audience and um, it meant that we could take risks that we wouldn't otherwise have taken as musicians and we knew that we couldn't go wrong that made everyone play better. Sure. And like, you know, just have more fun with it. And yeah, I'm just really pleased to be did that gig, basically. So <laughs> it's, ju- on out of it. yeah. it's
0: wicked. Church of Sounds for like, for anyone that doesn't know it, it's kind of like this. It's it's monthly, I think, right? or it's Yeah. Like most months anyway. Most months. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of it's in a church in Uh, Clapton and it's pretty big and the the bands like play in the centre and it's like one half, like the first half of music is uh, a certain uh, theme of covers so it might be like a songbook of an artist. In your case you kind of took a more of a concept instead and then the second half is your own music so it's a really gorgeous night and I want to ask you if if recording that or if performing that music with everything we've talked about so far, um, like in a church, like what kind of dimension, if any, did it add as opposed to recording live in a typical four-wall mm. like,
1: venue? I mean, I don't know what the church itself held to it, but I know the space specifically to that. I mean, I don't know how much of this is the fact that it was a church in itself. But I think the fact that we were in a circle mm. um, with high ceilings, a lot of reverb. Um, And such a communicative audience. I think that, I mean, that's the most you can ever ask for as a performer. Especially of improvised music, where you're kind of reacting so much to how people are going to respond to how you're going to play. Um, It just made us open up and really kind of take these songs to, you know, wherever they got to. Yeah. We had like one rehearsal before, like, and it was like a hour and a half or something
0: yeah, it was
1: mad i mean i was literally pointing at people through the gigs like you and you okay you guys play together next time oh my guys. days but it was it was fun you know yeah. it, it was uh, it was a high stress <laughs> situation i <laughs> forgot to do any drum solos because i was just like i couldn't i couldn't <laughs> even think about my own playing i was just like too busy kind of like looking Bring around them to see. jazz rules it's no, fine yeah. yeah it was so funny
0: oh that's amazing um i feel like with um spiritual music there's which, which was a, an element of of the album like there's a lot of building from a foundation upwards and layering and I was thinking about that and, and also about the last time I saw you, mm. which was on Worldwide FM with Dean Chu yep. uh, of Darker Than Wax, who is a DJ, runs the label Darker Than Wax, and he's also an architect. Yeah. And you said that your mum's an architect That's right. as well. Like We had a, a little chat about, about these kinds of things. And it made me just think, like, hey, you know, I was thinking about the layering and building from the foundation upwards, and I was like, I wonder if you've ever thought about any comparisons whether literal or metaphorical between architecture and music so often you see like parents and then their Mm. kids doing something in a similar vein or something that carries a a, you know a personality trait which runs through the family like have you ever seen any comparisons yeah I mean
1: I, I remember actually I remember Dean talking about this like really articulately and I think him saying that you know space and buildings and structures providing such inspiration to him and basically feeding off the same idea of art and how you're kind of receiving it in terms of, like, you just being in a space, a physical space, and kind of just taking it all in. And it's the same with music, like, you don't have to be thinking about what it is, but this the music kind of just lets you sort of, like, gives you an emotion that's too complex to kind of almost articulate in a mm-hmm. sense that it's not, you know, something very basic as happy, sad, whatever, you know. I think it's, it's a very complex kind of reaction that you have. And I think, like, that's the same with any like I think what it did do was make me more aware of the kind of physical spaces that I was inhabiting as a, as, as a young person or even now uh, and it does make me more aware just the fact that I'm looking a lot at sort of buildings and, and just public spaces in general quite a lot and uh, yeah I mean that's something that comes from my mom but also the music comes from my mom so that's also like you know because like she, she sings as well. And that's right. how I kind of like kind of got into music as well. Cool. Initially. So yeah, that's, that's something.
0: Did she like collect records or did she just kind of play like CDs? They didn't collect
1: records at all, actually. They, um, but they would sing. They actually, you know, they didn't didn't they didn't really listen to that much music, but they sang a lot at home. Both my parents sing, and they've been taking like singing classes lessons for like thirty five years now. Whoa. And that's just the thing that they do It's like part of their routine. They just love it, you know. Like what a lovely go. thing. Yeah, it's great. Wow. It's really yeah. It's uh, it's really a, yeah.
0: That's wicked. And Literally. I feel like that's not really something which I come across much. So I'm a singing teacher yeah. on a Saturday. Hi. And I have been for eight years. Yeah. And, um, and all of my kids, like some adults, some students, and it's like they come, like they do their thing for a few years, mm. and or they do grades, or they like come because they've got like a TV performance or something that they want to yeah. practice for. And then they head off again. And I've never known anyone to like you know, want to just save for a lifetime
1: Mm. like that's
0: quite incredible Mm. like they see it more as a a recreational hobby as opposed to like going to achieve something and and it's not
1: exactly I don't think it's ever going to lead to a performance because they've never performed like what your parents yeah so it's really strange I mean it's not strange but it is really interesting to like think of like music not as a performative skill because that's all we think of it as like especially as musicians constantly like you're learning something so that you can then kind of utilize that on stage of
0: course yeah
1: whereas you know there are these great stories again about these indian classical musicians this one guy who refused to do an american tour because it would come in the way of his own like practice schedule and that's deep <laughs> because that it's is like deep. That's what are you just, to what you're doing. Well, what are you practicing for then if you're going to turn down an american tour it raises the question mm. you know and the uh, yeah i mean it's uh it makes you think that people aren't making music only, in a, or even just like participating in music only in a performative sense, like you know. Which is
0: kind of reassuring in a way. Yeah, it's it really Shows reassuring. that like yeah, they're doing it for their own like enlightenment or personal growth. It's great, growth. and like, I think cool. like
1: yeah, I, I need to I need to constantly remind myself that that's also possible, right? And that yeah, I could just be making music for nothing else but just for myself, and like this doesn't have to leave this room in any way totally and that's fine
0: it's like the the pleasure is the end point basically of of doing it Yeah. yeah do you ever suffer from ipm irritating podcast moments the distressing irritability when a podcast suggests something really cool for you to read or listen to or book tickets for and you're too busy enjoying the show to do anything about it Or maybe a friend has shared a podcast with you because there's just 30 seconds that you really must listen to. Entail has a cure. Entail is the interactive podcast platform rich in ideas, ambition and content. So you can click on whatever comes up in conversation in real time, whether that's gig tickets, an album stream or an article from Supreme Standards. You can share your favorite chapters with your friends too. download the app with Android coming later this year and check out entail.co. Supreme Standards have just announced their gig for February. On February 14th, we have the amazing Ego LMA and Bryony Jarman Pinto in a collaboration with True Thought. So you can get your tickets now. It's happening at Ghost Notes. And we've got a very special guest DJ in Robert Lewis. Come on down. We'll see you there. So, this this might either go at the end of 2018 or start of 2019. Right. So, ooh, in podcast lab, mm-hmm. we just don't know. Um, so, I'm going to say, like, next year, yeah. um, you're dropping a new record, which I was going to ask you, like, is it mastered? Is it, like, being pressed? But yeah. you just told me you've been dropping it off at radio stations and stuff this morning. Which well, is so, exciting.
1: I've been dropping it off, but this new record you're talking about that's coming out next year
0: mm-hmm.
1: is getting mastered tomorrow. Oh, wait, do- Yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh. So, so I was talking about records. the... Yeah. So, yeah whoa right remind me so we've got the one we've been talking about
1: we've got yeah this. we've got my east is your west which is out yeah. and it's yeah it's doing its thing and then i um, haven't yeah so i have a second let's call it the second studio album okay so after my first one it, uh, day to day which was in 2016 uh-huh. um i'm dropping my second studio album in spring next year like april
0: wicked and that's what you were dropping off
1: No, that wasn't what I was dropping off. I was dropping off copies of My East Is Your West. This is a mad
0: busy six months for you.
1: Yeah, this is really. I mean, to be honest, it's been this studio album's been two and a half years in the making, and I'm just glad it's over. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's that thing of yeah, it's that thing of you know. I don't know whose quote it is, but somebody said you know a poem is never finished; it's abandoned, Um, and it's it feels like that. With music all the time for me, it's, it's never finished. It's just yeah. I've had enough. Well, that basically. is the question.
0: Is like, yeah. It's like it, a creative thing can never be finished. Just yeah. just when you decide to step away. Okay, so exactly. I've just said it worse than what you said it. But no, yeah. but, but that's yeah, <laughs> that's
1: exactly it. And I feel like I just need to abandon <laughs> working on this record and right. just put it out now. Oh, man. so yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's done, and I can can move on to other things. But yeah, that's it's. I'm I'm really looking forward to this album. I want to see what people think. But, yeah,
0: I was going to ask you about this this third album, but before we do that, let's let's just talk a teeny bit about this one like yeah. can you is it too early to reveal just a little bit about the, like the concepts or, or like how it's kind of progressed from day to day
1: yeah sure no I can talk about it it's basically um in a similar vein to day to day I'm kind of working with a whole bunch of people who I haven't really worked with before or I don't know much about and so this time like almost I've been really fascinated by the underground hip-hop scene in India That's been growing over the last maybe five years. It's really kind of exploding. Mm. And it's coming from very working class neighborhoods, predominantly. Obviously, this is a generalization. It's a big scene. But uh, people rapping in local languages, local producers, you know, local beats, local samples. Um, It just feels like a really exciting time in India for hip hop.
0: And was it called Desi Hip Hop? Yeah, something Desi Hip
1: Hop is like a generic term for, uh, well, like an umbrella term for any South Asian Hip Hop. So Desi Hip Hop could be like a UK rapper who's, who has South Asian heritage. Got you. Could also be a Desi, could be Desi Hip Hop. All right. So more specifically for me, it's it's been about Indian Hip Hop from India, the country India rather than uh There are some actually, (laughs) I say that and then I'm going to like mess up, (laughs) but there are some actually (laughs) diasporic rappers on it as well. Right. There's a guy from Abu Dhabi, there's a guy from here as well, but predominantly Indian rappers in local languages like Marathi, Punjabi, like all these, and um, yeah, I just got a chance to work with them and took over some unfinished music, spent some time in the studio with them in, in Mumbai and in Delhi and then came back worked on the tunes again went back again did some more work so kind of back and forth and so over the course of basically 2 years i've now yeah there's 8 tunes wicked featuring mcs or poets or rappers on pretty much all the tunes so it's kind of this weird uh, indian hip hop jazz album
0: i love that i, I didn't mean,
1: yeah it's record
0: p- stores can have a nightmare knowing oh. what box to put it in I love it. But I can't wait for the, to see their faces, friends. Yeah,
1: it's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. They probably won't put it in any shada oh, no, it's fine. I don't <laughs> mind where they put it to be honest. But it's, they'll be
0: cramming the boxes. You know, it's just a mystery as to where.
1: Yeah, I think it's gonna be really interesting because it's a. it sounds very different to the first one. Right. Uh it's far more urban, it's far more kinda edgy, louder, ruder. Um but yeah, essentially the same kinda like of course it's gonna be a jazz album it's not going to be a hip hop album cuz i wouldn't know the first thing about making a hip hop album and yeah it's going to be i'm excited yeah, I'm excited I can't i'm wait yeah to hear this. yeah wicked be
0: fun. so there's a third album as well
1: well we don't know like i'm kind of working on a few collaborations like right. with other people like i just did a couple of days in the studio with uh with danalog uh and just the two of us
0: was that at uh, Total Refreshment Centre? I was at TRC, yeah. Beautiful.
1: Um, so yeah, shout out Total Refreshment Centre, always. And um, so that's interesting. We've got basically an album worth of material there. So maybe something there. It's mean, very early days. Wicked. um And yeah.
0: I can't wait to hear that what that would be like. That should be fun. Yeah. yeah, that's
1: kind of like minimalist, electronic. Like Terry Riley meets Midori Takada meets some Indian thing. Like huh. weird kind of, yeah, I don't know what it is i'm so intrigued it's gonna be fun yeah. awesome
0: um so i i just need to ask you like yeah. or, or tell you my admiration for what you have done in just a few years oh. it's nuts because like you're such a versatile artist and i think like just to kind of like point out the versatility of what you do i think it's quite right. staggering it's like first re- record is kind of like a, a good introduction like yeah and very much an introduction hmm. to who you are and then we hear like all these remixes of tunes from day to day from like A Manative and Fote so you're yeah. working with producers and then like the ARE project you did with Hieroglyphic yeah. Being and Shabaka Hutchins and then now like you've got the Spiritual Jazz album yeah. and now this hip hop sort of inspired album yep. and then you're working with Danalog who is from uh, Comedy Scumming and, and Soccer Night six, 6 so yeah. it's, like really electronic mm-hmm. and it's just it's, it's really amazing about how how distinctive your sound is yet how versatile you are and i want to know like do you get restless with composing and writing music and stuff like do you get excited by having a, a big breadth of different sort of ways of being creative
1: i just like working with people i think it's just down to that i i just i don't i'm not the kind of person who sits in a room by myself with all my gear and like makes a record I've never been able to do that. and In fact, that's one of the challenges I feel like I need to give myself to be able to prove to myself that I can do that. Mm. But apart from that, I've always made records with other people in the room and just playing together. And that's always been my strength. I feel like I've kind of like always found ways to connect to people, find ways that make my music work with theirs. And I, I hopefully will keep doing that because that somehow always... Kind of is enjoyable for me.
0: Yes, please. There's so, always yeah. a place in my record collection for all the stuff that you're Great. doing. So you like, know, keep it well, coming, thanks. keep it coming. But yeah, I think that's kind
1: <laughs> of the answer in the sense that I just love kind of collaborating with people Sweet. and like different people. And I think it's always been that fascination of going into a situation where you don't really understand what the other person is about, and um, just finding out through kind of a couple of days in the studio what could happen yeah and yeah it's always fun creative
0: curiosity
1: yeah nice yeah.
0: uh well sarathi thank you so much for hanging out with me and yeah just big up for everything you're doing and if you guys want to listen to sarathi stuff we're going to drop a couple of links um into our entail uh, link as well so sarathi thank you so much
1: thanks so much for having me that was great
0: Big ups to you for listening. If you've enjoyed the show and you've gotten this far, then please leave us a little comment, rate the show, subscribe, and share it with your friends as well. We'll catch you in the next episode. Supreme Standards.